You know, Jesus has a habit of hanging out with all the wrong people. I mean, even if you don't think that Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah, the Savior, certainly most people can recognize him as a great spiritual teacher. So presumably he should hang out with other great spiritual teachers of his time and place. But he doesn't. He hangs out with some fishermen and some people who are unemployed and, and women and, as we're reminded today, people like Matthew, tax collectors. Oh, tax collectors were particularly despised in the Roman Empire, particularly in Judea, because, well, these tax collectors were allowed to collect more in taxes than Rome required. They would send Rome what Rome asked for, and they got to keep the rest to pay for their time and their trouble. And so not only were they pretty hard-hearted and greedy, but they tended to be seen as turncoats because Matthew and others like him, well, they would have been from the local population. He was a Jew. And yet, instead of banding together with his fellow Jews, he had aligned himself with the powers of the Roman Empire. Not only had he done that for his own protection, but for his own financial benefit. So he'd be seen somewhat as a turncoat, a traitor even, somebody who was just in it for the money. And yet, these are the kind of people that Jesus not only taught, but then he'd sit down and share meals with. This baffled the other religious leaders of the time because these were the riffraff. These were the outsiders. These weren't the important folks. Jesus is well, not just wasting his time, but why is he around all of these ritually unclean people? Why isn't he hanging out with the, well, the religious elite? Well, I think there's a very important reason why Jesus didn't. I think there's a practical one, too. We'll start with the practical one. I think it's because that Jesus thought that the religious elite of the time was wrong-headed, and they were going in the wrong direction. They had focused on the wrong things. Like he tells the people who challenge him about eating with sinners and tax collectors, he reminds them of the prophetic teaching of the Hebrew Scriptures. God desires mercy, not sacrifices. Don't worry about the rituals. Don't worry about how things look. Worry about how you're actually treating the people around you. But for all times and places, I think it's important that Jesus ate meals with the people that were considered less than. It's to show that everybody is worthy to be in God's presence, just as they are, including you and me. Now, I don't know if you, you may not think that you're as lowly as a, a despised tax collector, though I've had IRS employees in my congregations over the years, so I try not to say bad things about the IRS. But you know what I mean. We may not feel like we're that lowly, but most of us don't think that we're part of the influential hoity-toity class, that we're all that. And Jesus makes time, makes a place for us. Accepts us as we are, not because we're perfect, but through God's love, accepts us. That's one of the most important things in the life of the church. If we're to share Jesus' love, even as we experience it, we have to offer such acceptance 
to everyone we meet. We have to recognize that everyone is worthy. Everybody is a beloved child of God, regardless of the mistakes they've made in their lives up to this point. They all have value, regardless of their age, their education, their economic status, regardless of their gender, their sexual orientation, regardless of if they say they believed in Jesus since they were born or they just started thinking about who this Jesus guy is yesterday. All loved, all valued, all accepted by Jesus and hopefully by those of us who seek to follow in his footsteps, for those of us who call ourselves by his name, well, by his title who call ourselves Christians. Of course, Christians have a long history of not always being the most accepting people, demanding that people make certain changes before they'll be worthy of acceptance in Jesus' name into Christ's church. I don't think that aligns with Jesus' teaching. It certainly doesn't align with his example, as we're reminded in this story today of when he called the tax collector Matthew to follow him, and then he ate with any and all who would join him, tax collectors and sinners alike. Why is this acceptance so important? Why is it one of the things that I treasure most about who we aspire to be as the Christian church disciples of Christ with a, a communion table that is open to all who would come and gather in Jesus' name? Well, I think it goes to the other part of this teaching. When Jesus is challenged about who he's eating with, he says, healthy people don't need a doctor. The ones who are sick need a doctor. I came to help those who have sinned, not the ones who, at least in their own minds, haven't. If you want to get better, you have to be able to meet honestly and openly with Jesus. You know, speaking of doctors, I know a lot of people, and, and sometimes in my life I've, I fall under the same impulse. People who go to their doctor, right? whether it's for a regular checkup or they're even in the hospital and the doctor says, what's going on? How do you feel today? Well, I feel great, doc. We put on a brave face. We, we, we pretend things are better than they are to the very person who's there to try and help make us better. We do the same thing in church, right? We put on our Sunday best and we try to make it look like we've got it all together even when the rest of our life may be in a bit of a shambles. And what's, what happens then? Well, if you and I don't admit to the doctor that we're hurting, that we're sick, the doctor can't begin to help us to heal physically. And if we're not willing to come into God's presence and gather with other people in God's name and admit that we're not perfect, well, God's not going to be able to make us any better either. But we're unlikely to be honest enough, be vulnerable enough, trust people enough to say things aren't exactly as we want them to be, exactly as they should be, unless people are accepting of us just as we are.
That's why it was so imperative for Jesus to meet people as he walked around Galilee and Judea and accept them regardless of their gender, regardless of their age, regardless of their occupation. Accept them for who they were and then build a relationship with them. Because only then could he help to heal them, to make them spiritually more whole. And the same is true for us. And I mention that because when I'm asked what I think Eastgate Christian Church does really well, I think this is something that we do really well. I think that we are a spiritual hospital. I think in particular people that have been hurt in spiritual ways in other churches or outside of the church over the years, when they come here, they find a loving community and a patient community and an honest community that they quickly recognize is a safe community where they can admit that not everything is perfect and where they can find healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. And I wish I knew the, pres the, the prescription for how we do that. I wish I knew all of the steps that it took that I could tell other congregations, here's how you become a spiritual hospital. That people will come and they'll get better. They'll heal. They'll, be, they'll feel safe enough to share some of their less proud moments and traits, if only to God. And they'll find healing and love and forgiveness and hope in such a community of faith. I know partially it's because of our honesty. I know it's partially because we try to accept people as they are when they come through the door and love them from the beginning. I know it's partially because we're adaptable, at least somewhat, to recognizing not everything has to be the way it's always been for us. We're also a little imaginative. We recognize that God has touched us in specific ways, but that God touches others in different ways. So we don't demand that every path of faith, every walk of faith, every discipleship looks identical. Because our God is not just an awesome God, but our God is a God of many ways, many ways towards spiritual healing in Jesus' name. Honestly, this culture of spiritual healing at Eastgate predated me. It was here long before I got here eight and a half years ago. And I expect as long as we stay faithful and loving and generous, it'll remain one of Eastgate's great gifts to the whole of Christ's church. That this is a place where people can find healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. But if we want to do that, we do have to keep our eyes on this teaching of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. That Jesus came as a doctor. Jesus came for those who need to be in a spiritual hospital, not for the people who think they've got it all together. We need to be more comfortable with things being imperfect in the church. And we need to be honest about that. I know several of you like the way that I always, almost always end my invitation to the Lord's table. 
and it's meant to embody and reflect this acceptance, this recognition that we're imperfect and in search of healing too, this openness to God's presence and to each other. That I say, you come as you are, because I'm coming just as I am this day. I'm not perfect. You don't have to be either. That's never what Jesus asked his disciples to be or to do. He gave them the same invitation that he gives you and me every day. Follow me. Or as it's put in the Gospel of John, come and see. Whichever one you prefer, just come along. Just follow. You don't have to get a, do a graduate course in theology. You don't have to do a bunch of atoning and ask for forgiveness of every sin that you can remember your whole life. That's important. But it doesn't have to come before the first step. It can be part of your journey, part of your discipleship, part of the way that you follow Jesus. Because Jesus accepts us and loves us from the beginning just as we are. And then invites us into a safe place, a sacred place, a holy place, a sanctuary where we can become better, where we can find spiritual healing. I mean, just think about it. If you were in the hospital and say you had broken your hip and they put a hip inside of you, a new one, and then told you you had to get up and walk on it, just think about if you didn't trust the doctors and the nurses and the therapists to help you get better. Every time they came in your room, you'd wonder, why are they doing this to me? This isn't going to make me any better. Why do they want me to walk down the hall? Why do they want me to eat what they've brought me from the kitchen? Why do they want me to take this medicine they're bringing me? The less you trust your medical caregivers, <laughs> the less easy your healing will be. It's no different when it comes to spiritual healing. If we don't trust each other, if we don't trust God, then it makes the whole process a lot harder and take a lot longer. So that's why acceptance is so vital to create a, a community of spiritual healing like we enjoy here at Eastgate.